Sometimes you're going to be, uh, you know, something. Now, I'm not condoning that. What I am condoning is just like the leopard man who was needing his healing, he went to Jesus. This morning, we need to go to Jesus. We need Christ, right? We, we, we don't need just another feel-good sermon that make me feel better about my sin. That is not the gospel. And then we, we leave this room and we, we sin even more because we have a prosperity view of the gospel, rather a dying view of the gospel. Like, I got to die. I got to be replaced. I need Christ. Amen? Amen. So we see he looking for Jesus. Number two, he begged Jesus for healing. Well, Tony Morita says it this way. The issue was not that whether Jesus would heal, that Jesus could heal him. The issue was, would Jesus heal him? Look at that. Understand this. In the whole text, as we read these verses, right, it's not saying that, oh, God can't heal him. It's just, would he? Does Jesus have the power to rescue people? Amen. We see it all through the text. Then look at, you, you see great humility in this man. You see great faith and great courage. He came believing in the only one who could heal him from his leprosy, and that was Jesus. Why? Because there was nobody else that could hear him, heal him. Nobody. So, so what is the outcome? Well, you see it. Jesus, with great compassion for the sick man, this individual man, heals him. And I want you to see the power in these verses. It did not take much for Jesus to heal him, y'all. Yeah. We say that in Tennessee. What we say in Hawaii? Hines, never take much, bro. Never take much. Look at this. Verse 41. Jesus was moved with pity. Another word for compassion. He stretched out his hand, right? Is that a lot of work? No, everybody stretch out your hand to the next person next to you, right? Right? That's not much work right there. What is this? And touched him. Touched that person next to you in the name of Jesus. And, and look, look how hard Jesus worked. Not really, right? He said, I will. Then he said, what? Say those two words with me. Be clean. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. Touch them, Heinz. Touch them. It's okay. It's okay. I know back in the day we had all the kind touches, right? right? Say, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, let's make, it, let's make it contextual. Say, brother, sister. Brother. All right, all right. No, no, you're brother from sister, okay? All right. Be healed. Be healed. Okay, now turn to the next angel, or, or, I mean person next to you, right? And say, brother, sister. Brother. Be, healed. Be healed. You healed. You healed? Yes. I'm healed? Yes. We're healed? Yes. Right, right, right. And look, look. Never take it. Look, it is, it is in direction to creation. When God heals you, it's in direct correlation with creation. When God said, stretching out his head, let there be light, it was so. When God said, let the water separate from each other, it was so. When God said, let the animals, the birds, the trees, and all that, it was so. When God said, let there be men like us, you know, it was so. When God said, hey, it's not good for brothers for be alone. Let's hook them up with one vahine, one beautiful one. So he took the rib, all right, and this ball guy, and I love ribs, you know, amen, Jesus, hallelujah, <laughs> right? 
He took that rib and he made him a vahine. Can I get a witness out there, right? Like, it didn't take much for God to say what he needed to say. It didn't take much for God to heal this leopard. It didn't take much for God to even wake you up this morning and come to 1967 Kinoole Street. It didn't take God much for put one Hawaiian, crazy Hawaiian, and crazy Italian together, and boom, made me, right? It didn't take God much because he's God. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel is God doing what only God can do. He speaks life into existence. He speaks you into existence. Man, I'm having a crappy day today. Well, let's say it in Hawaii. I'm having a shitty day today. But Christ, you're good. Right? That's the reality. We need to have an understanding of the gospel. God said it. It took place. I mean, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself right now. But here's the reality truth. When God promises something... He keeps his word. That should encourage you today, everybody in this room. When you say you're going to clean the bathrooms at Ohana Church, fine. How is it come on Mondays? You better clean the bathroom. Well, let's get outside of the church walls. When you say you're going to meet me at the football field and you're going to help me give out shoulder pads and whatever the case is, and it's tree turdy and we started and you now come. That says a lot about you. And for all the people, that says a lot about your God. See, the God I serve, when he says something, he does it. Men of God, when you say I do, do it. All right, I'm not, I'm not supporting Nike over here, okay? But just do it, all right? <laughs> Women of God, when you say I do, do it. Why? Because you reveal the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God says something, he keeps his word. His word is what? Power and comfort for those who trust in him. But the reality is, do you trust in him? Do you trust in him or do you trust in a system of religion? Because listen to me, Ohana Church, this building on burn someday. These faces going to change because of life circumstances. But is God's word faithful? Yes, it is. So, so this should encourage you today. When God says something, it comes to pass. And God's people says, amen, right? What he says is found right here in the Bible, the written word, revealing the living word of Jesus. In fact, I want you to see what God says about what he does for his people. In Philippians 4. God will supply all our needs. Can I get a witness out there, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody like quoting that scripture, right? All right? But look at me. Listen to me. He will give us a future and a hope. 1 John 1, 9. He will forgive us. Isaiah 41, 10. He will strengthen and heal us. How many of us needs to be strengthened today, right? Revelation 21 says, he will wipe every tear from our eye. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, he will give us a new heart. Romans 10, 9 says, he will give us salvation. John 14 and chapter 16 says, he will give us his spirit. Can I get a witness there, right? Thank God for his spirit. Deuteronomy 31, 8, he will not leave us or what? Forsake us. Exodus 14, 14, he will fight for us. 
Like, there should be claps and applause in there. Don't do it now because I told you to do it, all right? That's the reality, all right? Like, he fights for us. What does that mean? All you got to do, Hawaiian, is stand your ground. Let God do what he does best, all right? Don't, don't, don't become a victim of your situation, right? If, if, if anything, become a conqueror in Christ, right? Micah 7, 19. He will have compassion on us. Here's this other one. You ready? Again. What does that mean? Hallelujah for second chances. But listen to me. All of these is not fulfilled in your name. All of this is not fulfilled whether or not you do something for God. All of this is pointed and directed to the person of Jesus Christ. Christ does this in and through us. Christ is the propitiation of our sin. Christ is the substitute of our sin. Christ does what you cannot do. What you can do is wallow in your sin. What Christ can do is free you from your sin. He's our Savior, but he's not just our Savior to receive the benefits of heaven. He's also our Master. He's our Lord. But that's the problem in the prosperity gospel. All we see Christ is in that gospel lens. The prosperity is that, oh, I get benefits from Jesus. Right? The friends with benefits. You guys heard those terms before? Oh, I still hear them. Jesus or not, I still hear those terms. Right? Jesus is not a friend with benefit. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Lord. And he doesn't, listen to me, I love this about the gospel. He doesn't rescue you just to live off of him. He rescued you because you cannot live off of nobody else so that in you he can live through you for his glory. That's a robotic kind of love. No, that is love. Because in and of ourselves, we could never love people the way Christ loves people. He, he teaches us that through a relationship. And what we see lastly, re reality number three, we see a perverted sensation. A perverted sensation. What does that mean? Well, I want us to reread some of the ending of the text. And Mark 1, 43 through 45, it says this. And Jesus sternly. What do you think sternly means? Yes, yeah, like, oh, bro. Bro, I'm going to tell you this. And you better not mess up. He goes, he sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say what? Nothing. What? Nothing. nothing to anyone. Nothing in the Greek means nothing, okay? <laughs> but go... Right? You see that word? But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing, what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. We see this in Leviticus chapter 14. That when someone was healed for leprosy, they had to prove that by going to the priest. That was the process. Verse 45, but he went out and began to talk freely about it. What did he just do, everybody? He disobeyed God. After God did what only God can do for him, right? But he went and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. You see why Jesus told him to kuli kuli? But, I love this but right here. It's so freaking awesome, right? He says, but out in these desolate places, this is how, this is how powerful God is, People were coming to Jesus from every quarter. What is that? Power. Mana. Right? Or in Greek, dunamas. Where we get the word dynamite in English from, right? 
I mean, when God blew up things, he blew them up. He made things roll. Even when he didn't have no platform in this city anymore, people were still coming to Jesus because that was it. Jesus commands this man to do two simple things, and he does not even do one of them. There's a few interpretations to why Jesus would have said this thing about this man to this man, but the one thing that we see consistently even in today's culture in Christianity is the difference between mysticism and truth. So, so, so mysticism teaches that, that it's an emotional high, right? It's emotional experience. Like This is what Jesus is not, is not saying... People who are mystics focus primarily on emotional experiences like signs and wonders and fanaticism outbursts. These manifestations are usually in contradiction to the gospel and truth. I want you to, what Daniel, I want you to see what Daniel Aiken says. He says, Jesus does not want persons who merely seek miracles. Can I get a witness? Jesus wants followers who seek him. Follow me, right? The gospel words. People are always tempted by the sensational. Jesus desires followers who long for truth and want to know him. He does not want people to come to him to get what they want. He wants people to come to him to get him. But listen to me. I can understand the excitement this man shared, right? Could you understand with this brother? I, I'm a leopard, and I've been freed from all these years of leprosy. I could understand the excitement of this brother. But this guy who's healed by God in the flesh dishonors God by doing exactly the wrong thing. By him doing this, it restricted Jesus to minister in certain areas. We notice this in the remaining text. Jesus was doing ministry in a desolate area because of what this leper did. The leper and Jesus, listen to me, you guys ready? Here's where it comes. The leopard and Jesus traded spots. The leopard was an outcast. And because of Jesus' substitute, Jesus became the outcast, and the leopard became a part of society. Well, I hope you're getting this today, saints. Right? Jesus, who was in Capernaum, Capernaum in Galilee, Living life with people, as we learned in the last few weeks, is no longer invited in that area because of the thing he exactly told his leprosy not to do, the leopard guy not to do. They, they, they replaced positions. But see, you could get mad at this leopard, right? When all reality, you should be mad at yourself because you are the leopard this morning. I am the leopard in need of replacement. See, there's beauty in this. Why? Because Jesus took on the sin of that leopard. And why is there beauty? Because only Jesus could conquer hell, death, sin on the cross, in the grave. And we know on the third day he rose again. Biblical truth. Jesus teaches us that substitution is the heart of the gospel. I want to read that again. Read it with me, in fact. One, two, three. Jesus teaches us that substitution is the heart of the gospel. Jesus comes to take on our sin. He comes to take on our shame. He comes to take on our sorrow. 
And listen, in return, you guys ready? In return of that substitution, we are forgiven. We are healed. We are made holy. And we are made righteous. And here's our response. You ready? Praise God. Praise God. So where do we go from here? We need to truly examine ourselves. However, we need to examine ourselves through the lens of Scripture and not our experience. No, no, experience is not bad. But it's not the way God intended for us to see Him. We see Him through the text, the canonized Scripture. We believe that Ohana Church is 100% accurate. There's no error in it. And I'll be honest with you, and I'm just going to be bold with you. If you think there's error in it, you're going to struggle in your walk with Christ. You're going to struggle. Say, so, well, just regular homeboys wrote these books and all that. But look, it was inspired by God. Men were just vessels. God was the penmanship. God was the one who makes this perfect and makes this scripture holy. Listen to me. This is Jesus in front of our face. This is the written word declaring the living word. Jesus, he literally breathed out these words so that we may be in right fellowship with him. So here's two main challenges and then we'll be Pawana. Number one, personally, for you individually, step one, you need to set aside 20 to 30 minutes each morning reading through a book of the Bible. Stop being mystic believers. Stop holding your Bible like this and saying, God, whatever you want me to read, help me read it. Boom. Oh, you want me to read it for Samuel. God does not work by chance. God works by structure. How can you understand 1 Samuel? And what chapter am I? 17. You never read chapter 1 yet. Now the Philistines gathered their armies. Why did the Philistines? Who's the Philistines? Is that like, who are those? The Philistines for battle. Why are they scrapping? What's going on? I'll go chapter 1. Read books of the Bible. Verse by verse. The goal is not quantity. The goal is truly quality. Step number two. Use the SOAP format of writing down your study. What is the SOAP format of writing down your study? Well, it starts with scripture. Write down the scripture and memorize it. Why I tell you, why I tell you write it down? Because when you write something, you memorize something. So if you read 1 Samuel chapter 16, all of the chapter, write all of the chapter down. Right? Observation, the O of soap. What, what does the text say? Listen to me. Not what you say. What does the text say? Alright? Application. What is the text telling you to do? And lastly, and this is where I differ from a lot of preachers, pray. How is it telling me to pray? Listen to me. The reason why we don't know how to pray is we're not in here. And so sometimes we say empty words because we're not in here. Like we could sound well, that sounds like a powerful prayer. Prayer said nothing about Jesus. 
right? Pray as the res- prayer is the result of our time spent in His Word. Right? So, so if we're reading 1 Samuel chapter 16, where it talks about battling, you know, we know automatically what that means spiritually. God, I'm in warfare with this enemy right now. And God, I need you to prepare my heart. I need you to... I wouldn't know that, but if I wasn't in His Word. we got to stop being mystic believers. Oh, I feel God thing. Hey, and that could be true, but if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's probably not from Him. Why? Because God would not contradict Himself. Step three, share it with a believer or a non-believer. What does that mean? What goes in you must come. If not, we'll become spiritually obese. You're just soaking up all this theology and doctrine, and you're doing nothing with it, right? You guys know, you guys know our churches stand on the 531 strategy, right? Encourage five people a week. From what? The Word of God, right? Invest in three people a week. From what? The Word of God, right? Number one, share the gospel with a lost person. From what? The Word of God. Step one. Step two, this is publicly, this is corporately. Step one of number two, join an Ohana group. God did not save you to do life alone. God rescued you to be with your family. Hey, and we're not perfect. Stop putting, hey, I grew up in the Christian family. Don't be putting all this guilt and thing, oh, but you don't know my life story. Hold on, you don't know my life story. In a Christian church, molested at the age of four. By my father's secretary. I know, don't act like you're the only one that got problems, bro. We all get problems. That's more better to be together. Why? Because problems will be just like that leopard man. We'll be desperate for Christ together. Listen to me, I get it. I understand the breakthrough. That's why our counseling, the ones when I counsel people, I listen to them. I listen to all the drama. I get it, I, and I'm not diminishing the, the drama, but this is the one thing I will say every time in that counseling. What does your time spent with God look like? You remember, the gospel wasn't built by the wealth of man, but the blood of man. Just because your senior pictures never turn out the way you wanted it to turn out, Hawaiian, not the end of the world, promise you that. Right? If Hilo High School would, have, would lose the next game, right? Hawaiian, I can promise you it's not the end of the world. I may eat one local moko after that just to feel better. But, you know, it is what it is, right? And you would know that joke because it comes from Hilo, local moko. Just letting you guys know, okay? But that's the reality. We need to be in fellowship with one another. Number two, commit to coming at every Ohana group meeting. <laughs> Especially if you're a leader. <laughs> if you're a leader, you better come to every group. You're leading the group. And if God says something, he's going to do something, and, if, and you know God, then you better live to your promises too. Even members in this church. Step three, invite someone with you. Listen to me. You're not, when you come on Sundays, you're not inviting people to a service. You're inviting people to Jesus. Just so happily, the service has Jesus in it. Why? Because there's believers here. And Jesus lives in us in his spirit. So join an Ohana group. Commit to coming every, 
meeting. Step three, invite someone. And it is essential that every one of us grow in the Word of God. We cannot expect spiritual growth apart from God's Word. The written Word reveals the living Word. His name, help me out, is Jesus. Second Timothy says it this way. In fact, you guys may not know this. But every time I come up here early, I read this to myself. It's that scripture. And it says, some scripture. Hey, my whole new law for that. All scripture, you're paying attention. I call you know. It's breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, say that big C word with me. Everybody say, ouch. Yeah, we need correction, even me. And for training in what? Righteousness. That the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Why we hold a high value of God's word and a high view of God? Because he says so. Your role, you guys ready? You guys can, you guys can come in on this one. Your role is to enjoy the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ by the power of His Spirit. So as we end today, we must simply abide in our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. And remember this, the biblical truth. Scripture is not man's thoughts about God, but God's revelation about Himself. Abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Call Marcus. Pass me that water bottle right now. Because you know we use Christian terms and I'm like, wow, what is abide? We're not, hey, as a Hawaiian, I'd never used that word growing up, abide, right? Maybe false crack, I used that term planning growing up, right? But my mother did for me, right? This is what it means to abide. Look at this. See this water? It's abiding in this bottle. Listen to this. The only way this water can be poured out was if someone opens up the lid. Amen? But here's the did. Here's the did. Here's the deal. I'm telling you, I'm going to fix this loose tooth. I promise you that. Words are going to be clearer. You guys better watch out. It'll be dangerous. Watch out. John says that Christ has sealed us with everlasting love. And can no one walk out of his hand? What does that mean? If you've been sealed in the blood of Jesus, God has not sealed you to forsake you at the end of the days. He has sealed you to make you conform to himself. The problem is, we don't like conform. You're going to be in this church, and you're going to be a part of this family. We're going to conform, I promise you that. Why? Because no enemy, Satan, his legions, has authority on those who have been sealed in Christ so here's the gospel abide in Christ and let him do what only he can do you ready be God
Isn't that so cool? Like, you don't have to be God this morning, Hawaiians. Like that title has already been taken. Like it is not up for discussion, right? There is no job, you know, openings to be God today. All right? God is God. He's on his throne. And even while he's on his throne, he just works. He's in us. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. And I want you to engage Christ the Father. Lord, we love you.